This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI senior writer, Al Castle, back once again, wishing you a very happy new year. Hope you enjoyed the holiday season, uh, as did I, and now getting into the swing of things in 2020, but not before we look back on 2019, and I'm going to do that in just a moment with my fellow PWI writer, Kevin McElvaney, and we're going to be talking about the 2019 Pro Wrestling Illustrated Achievement Awards. Uh, yes, they're back. It's one of the biggest issues of the year. And I'll go ahead and plug it now. You go to pwi-online.com and pick it up. Um, if you've seen the cover already, which is available uh, on the homepage, you'll, you'll see that our wrestler of the year 2019 is Adam Cole. So that in and of itself tells you uh, what kind of a, a wild year it was, a newsworthy year. Uh, definitely a, a lot of things shaken up in the wrestling industry. Kevin and I will go over all the awards in just a bit. Uh, but again, go ahead and, and go to the website and pick up this issue. You know, we'll, we'll go over uh, the awards, but uh, for the real depth of uh, discussion of how it, the, these wrestlers and matches and feuds came to win the awards, you really got to pick up the issue and um, uh, dig in. And besides the awards, there's so much here. I mean, it really is 2019 wrapped up in a nice, uh, neat little package. Uh, there are the top 10 stories of the year. There are, let me look through the uh, the contents here, uh, the year in review where, um, you know, photos and uh, stories throughout the year uh, a look back on uh, an incredibly, incredibly newsworthy year and end to uh, the decade. The unofficial official awards, always one of my favorite uh, features of the uh, year in wrestling. Uh, we have some fun, some laughs, uh, talking about some awards that aren't aren't real, <laughs> but uh, uh, readers send them in and have some fun with them. So you'll want to check them, uh, check those out. Uh, again, top 10 stories of 2019 that uh, Harry and I put together. Uh, memories of 2019. That's always fun too. I mean, uh, especially a year like that, it's, it's hard to boil down what is the one lasting image um, in, in your mind over the year. But uh, every year, the whole staff does that. And um, you can check those out. And uh, so much more, you know, cover to cover, it is just loaded um, with with information, photos, stories, reporting, looking back on uh, a real historic year in the wrestling business. And uh, you don't want to miss it. Go to pwi-online.com. Whether you want to pick up uh, the one issue, you could download it right away. It still isn't on newsstands, but the digital edition is out. So you could be uh, thumbing through it virtually on your tablet, your uh, phone, your laptop, what have you, uh, right away. Uh, or you can order the print issue, or best of all, subscribe. So you get this issue and however many more uh, you want. And the longer you subscribe, the the deeper the savings. You get half off the cover price. And uh, we're, we're just getting started here in a new year. And that means all the, the, the great work we do throughout the year. Another PWI 500, another Women's 100. Uh, the PWI poll, which I think uh, I'm going to be involved in maybe in, in these coming months. And uh, so much more. I just conducted a very, very newsworthy uh, interview just yesterday that um, I imagine will feature uh, maybe in, in a future issue, then the next issue, and I think that's what we're going to be looking back. Uh, we're looking back at 2019 in this issue. We're going to be looking back on the entire decade, I believe, in an upcoming issue. Uh, so that's going to be something you don't want to miss, uh, and really you don't want to miss any of it. You know, 40, now 41 years 
uh, going. Uh, we are still the name in pro wrestling magazines. And uh, don't miss another issue. Give the gift to yourself, to a loved one, whoever. Go to pwi-online.com. Uh, also, uh, please um, follow us on social media, whether it's on, on Twitter or Instagram, at OfficialPWI, or you can find us on, on Facebook. You can certainly contact us uh, here by email uh, at at outlook.com. Uh, that's specific to the podcast. Any any other questions, concerns, needs relating to Pro Wrestling Illustrated, um, you can send those to pwi at kappapublishing.com. Uh, uh, what else do I want to tell you about uh, the PWI t-shirt? Go to uh, prowrestlingtees.com, and uh, it is still on sale. Maybe you missed uh, the wrestling fan in your life uh, over Christmas and uh, want to get them a, a late gift, um, and I think they would love that one, the uh, the Pro Wrestling Illustrated t-shirt. And uh, I think, well, that, uh, I guess a couple more. Uh, subscribe to our podcast. Now, I think we started this at the end of 2014 and uh, now going to 2020 and still going strong. And we certainly appreciate uh, the support. So wherever you get your podcasts, uh, whether it's iTunes, uh, whatever your platform, certainly Podbean, which has been hosting us for a number of years, and we appreciate their support, uh, subscribe, please, and uh, kindly leave us a positive review if you enjoy the work that we're doing. We look forward to doing a lot more of it in 2020. All right, right now, joined by my co-host this week, PWI contributing writer, Kevin McElvaney. How are you, Kevin? Doing well. How are you? Good, good. Happy New Year. And uh, we're looking back on the year, looking back on 2019, uh, talking about our year in wrestling issue and the 2019 Achievement Awards. Uh, And in Dan Murphy's absence, I think you and I uh, both had to step up a little bit. I think you more than me and put together more of the awards than we usually do. Uh, what was that experience like for you? Well, I, I uh, always knew Dan worked really hard, and uh, I mean, this just cemented it, because this is, uh, you know, a lot to look at here, a lot of, um, a lot of steep competition, votes coming in very last minute, um, everything down to the wire, and... You know, some surprises, some things we sort of expected. But, I mean, just really, when you look at how this all shook out, a great overview of the past year in pro wrestling and really how, just how interesting and shaken up everything has gotten. Because we have people from all over the world, all different promotions represented. It was really pretty, pretty awesome experience. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And, and the reality is, for the better part of um, the last... 20 years, uh, the American wrestling landscape and, uh, in, in turn, the Achievement Awards have largely been dominated by uh, WWE, with some exceptions. You'd see TNA over the years uh, maybe uh, sneak mm-hmm. in and get an award here or there. Uh, but with what we've seen over the last few years, and the last year in particular, with so many different promotions, really internationally, really uh, uh, making themselves known in the United States uh, that is represented in these year's awards, which, as you touched on, uh, I mean, there's uh, certainly WWE representation, NXT representation, AEW representation, Impact representation, and then if you go deeper into um, the the runners-up and um, uh, even the, the honorable mentions, uh, you, you get many, many more promotions. So... Uh, very cool. I mean, it, it speaks to what a fun time it is to be a wrestling fan and a wrestling writer, I think. Uh, so 
Um, let's uh, go into them. Uh, we will. I've got the magazine here in front of me, the digital edition, uh, and so we'll just go through them uh, in order. Let me get back to the first award. Here I am, and uh, you've got it in front of you as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, yep. so uh, let's begin with uh, one of, I guess, the, the most more historic awards that we've had. I think it goes back to the beginning of of uh, these awards, but certainly at least 40 years, and that's the Rookie of the Year. One of the cool things that I got to do uh, this year was the, the Stanley Weston Award, uh, and that write-up, and I got to talk to Stone Cold Steve Austin, as the listeners of the podcast got to hear uh, some weeks ago, and uh, I bring that up because he was Rookie of the Year uh, in, back in 1990. So, and if you look at, at that list of Rookie of the Year through the years, I mean, names like Ric Flair and Rick Steamboat and, and so many others, it really can um, sort of foretell who one of the, the wrestling's next great stars and legends are. So uh, it's really exciting. And who is this year's 2019 Rookie of the Year? That would be Brian Pillman Jr. And, I mean, he took it pretty handily. I believe it was 69% of the vote. So he really was far and away the favorite in that category. There were a lot of other solid rookies out. And, of course, for a rookie of the year, we define that as someone who's been in the business less or two years or less. But he has just really just immediately made an impact. And I think it was hard to pick anybody, anybody else, even though it was pretty competitive. Yeah. Uh, uh, the first runner-up at 13%, Jessamyn Duke. Uh, one of Ronda Rousey's four, four horse women over in NXT. Mm -hmm. um, and second runner-up is Utami Haya. Let me get this right. Haya Shishita. This is where we need Dan Murphy. Uh, and she got 7%. And uh, at just 2%. And she, had, she had a really, I mean, it is worth mentioning. She had an amazing year. I mean, has had a great career so, uh, thus far in Japan and for stardom. So, I mean, maybe just, she hasn't made so many appearances stateside, so I think that worked against her here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Green Ant, uh, 2% uh, at number three. And the reality is, with Rookie of the Year, very often these aren't familiar names. These aren't household names, um, nor should they be. That's right. the, the point. Um, I do think uh, of those, Brian Pillman uh, probably is the most recognizable. Brian Pillman uh, Jr., he's got that legacy. Um, I haven't got to see a whole lot of, of Brian Pillman Jr.'s work. I only recently got MLW on my uh, local cable provider. Um, but from what you've seen, he seems to have um, gotten the, the best of his father's traits. And it's really exciting. I mean, he he's still very young. I think in his uh, mid-early 20s. Uh, so who knows what, what's in store for him. I'm, I'm sure he's got uh, the connections. I've, I've heard you know Jim Ross rave about him on his podcast. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's every reason to think that um, as long as he keeps his head straight, big things are in store for him. Uh, let's move on. Uh, inspirational Wrestler of the Year. Uh, this was a year that I think this was a really tough race. I mean, a lot of uh, really terrific uh, feel-good stories in 2019. No shortage of them. Uh, but who took it this year? I don't think it's a whole... Uh, much of a surprise uh, given what, what he went through. Who's 2019's inspirational wrestler of the year? That would be Roman Reigns, of course. Yeah, so talk a bit about, uh, you know, Roman Reigns' uh, year and, and where he was just before the start of 2019 or even early in 
Yeah. So, I mean, of course, last October, he sort of took that leave of absence uh, because his leukemia, which he had, uh, he had battled many years before, before any of us knew who he was, um, and beaten, it was back. He had this very emotional speech on Raw. He, he said he'd be back stronger than ever as soon as he could. A lot of people thought it would take a while. I mean, I, I think we were all rooting for him and betting on him, and we, we knew we'd see him back. But he came back maybe even a little bit earlier than I expected, for sure. Uh, and he was back at the end of February, and I mean, in the mix for WrestleMania. So it's not that he had the greatest year of his career, but he had a year that really, I mean, it's, the category is inspirational. And, and I mean, there's no denying that he, he was really uh, an inspiration for millions of people out there. And it was great to see him back. Yeah, I, I think it was a year that clearly he wasn't much in the running for wrestler of the year. Um, actually didn't the headline a a pay-per-view lawyer he probably did uh, none come to mind but i think he was uh decidedly out of that world title universal title mix uh took a step down um i you know i've said uh, since coming back he has seemed more uh, uh more kind of comfortable in his skin seems to be enjoying it more i remember you know uh before the leukemia scare in in, in those months before he made that announcement, he just looked like a guy who was miserable coming to work every day, uh, and he really wore it on him. And I, I think you have seen um, a, a happier, more at ease uh, Roman Reigns, and I imagine that has everything to do with um, you know the journey he went through from his diagnosis uh, to remission. And um, he, he thankfully, he's got his health, and uh, again, I think it, it just gave him a, a different bit of perspective, and it's helped his work uh, quite a bit. So uh, good for him. Uh, at first runner-up, here's somebody who I, I very much thought uh, could take this, uh, Kofi Kingston at, at 30%. Uh, I, I was there at MetLife Stadium. To me, it was the highlight of WrestleMania 35, him winning the world title and the whole story that they told. And, man, that, that scene with him and his New Day uh, uh, partners and his two little kids in the ring celebrating. I mean, that's that's as cool as it gets. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, just such an awesome moment for uh, a guy who really toiled and grinded for for uh, eleven years. You know where it went from there. Eh, you know, it 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 wasn't. Um, I think what what fans of his were hoping for uh, in his heart of hearts. He'd probably say he he hoped for for better. It was a good long reign, um, but. You know, not a lot of memorable matches that that came out of it or performances and ended on such a whimper that uh, it, it's kind of a pity. But you know, it's it's established. He, he even now, I think, uh, he is clearly a rung above where he was um, a year ago. So uh, it certainly helped helped his career for sure. Uh, number two, the second runner up at twelve percent, uh, PCO, who just recently won the Ring of Honor uh, Heavyweight Title. I think. I think he was just shy of 52. I think he was 51 or when he wanted, and he has since turned 52. Uh, and uh, I got to interview him early in the year, and he talked about this uh, uh, being one of his dreams, winning a, a heavyweight title in a major wrestling organization uh, as part of this mm-hmm. comeback, which is so unlikely. Uh, and, and he got to do that at the very end of 2019. Uh, it's worth saying, I, I, I believe the votes were all counted probably before he won. Yeah, they were. Right. That, yeah. Was, that, that, that was actually what really surprised. So I'd, the proverbial ink had barely dried 
uh, when I was putting together his entry and then that happened. Uh, but it was technically outside the evaluation period. So even prior to that, he was the second runner-up in this category, which I think is pretty amazing. And third runner-up at 11%, Becky Lynch, who also, you know, just... I, I think she's the biggest star in WWE. Uh, maybe kind of mm-hmm. faint praise right now, giving kind of the, the, the dearth of real stars uh, over there. But, you know, that, that closing moment... Um, at WrestleMania 35 in front of whatever it was, 70,000 fans in, uh, in, in the New York area, MetLife Stadium, biggest show of the year. Uh, you know, th- that's been the spot over the years reserved for Hulk Hogan and The Rock and John Cena and Steve Austin. Um, and it was Becky Lynch. It was a woman celebrating at the end of WrestleMania, winning the big prize. Uh, that's as big as it gets. And, uh, you know, I, I think... Maybe her star has, uh, I wouldn't say faded, but it's not shining as brightly as, as it was then. Uh, but again, here here early in 2020, I, I still think she's the biggest star in WWE. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. And she really did have an amazing year. Uh, spoilers here, I don't think it's the last we're going to hear of her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in this yeah. conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's flip the page here um, to... Uh, what do we got? We got most improved wrestler of the year. Uh, this is another, I think, close race. I'm not sure I'm, I'm totally on board with uh, the way this one uh, worked out. Uh, who was 2019's re- most improved wrestler of the year? Yeah, so this is a little surprising. Uh, we had Brian Cage in the top slot. Yep. By, by a healthy margin, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, 23 Yeah, I mean, it's weird because usually when you look at this category, it's sort of... Uh, I don't know, maybe not the award everybody wants, right? It's because it implies that you were something was wrong with the previous year, that you, you stepped up in a big way because, let's face it, you weren't setting the wall on fire before that. I mean, I think Brian Cage had a great 2018 as well. Um, I think he had a – you could argue that 2019 was the, was the best year in his career, I mean, given what he was doing on national television, right? But I don't know. I, I think there are a lot of people who could have – qualified uh, who could have taken that category and I, I I'm sort of with you I'm, I'm surprised that it came out the way it did yeah I mean I think it's a, a feather in the cap of impact that they could still uh, be in the mix here for one of our uh, awards and that you know fans are aware of Brian Cage uh, especially given their their really kind of uh, contracted television presence for most of 2019 it wasn't until I think the second half, I think well into the second half, it was right around Bound for Glory, right, that they finally uh, got on Access. And Access is not USA or, or TNT, yeah. but relative to what they were. And, and I think at, at one point, their, their viewership uh, had dropped into the four digits. Uh, and, and that was, I, I believe, around the time Brian Cage was headlining as their uh, heavyweight champion. So uh, I'm just surprised that he's on the radar enough, you know, for, for him to be in the mix. Uh, I, I've seen some of Brian Cage uh, in person. I remember seeing him wrestle at one of the, the WrestleCon shows when they were here over New York and absolutely an impressive specimen. A guy who uh, at that size can do some really amazing stuff. I mean, a, a true heavyweight that uh, has some real athleticism and agility. Uh, it does feel like he came at least 10 years too late, right? Uh, I, I'd got to think that uh, back in in the the late '90s, early 2000s, uh, Vince McMahon would have 
you know, been frothing at the mouth for a guy like Brian Cage in, in 2019, 2020. I don't know. You know, I, I, it just, it, it feels a little dated, you know, the, the, the whole thing, the, the look for sure. Um, but, uh, in, in some ways I think that the look, um, and myself included, maybe uh, has makes folks underestimate him because if you actually watch him uh, work, he's very, very good. And, you know, and think about saying that, just what a, a sea change there's been yeah. over the past 10 years that you would look at Brian Cage and say, oh, I don't know if he can go. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> just, crazy. Just because everyone just thought about, oh, this guy looks like he'd be dominant. I mean, just the... the the, it's it's just so different now. Um, but I, I think I, I don't know. I don't want to. I certainly don't want to pass any negative comments about Brian Cage. Let's yeah. hear them and get very upset. <laughs> yeah. As as we're recording this, uh, I'm uh, a fan of work. <laughs> as we're recording this, uh, Impact uh, Hard to Kill. I think it's actually just coming out of the air right now, and and he's uh, yep got a, got a big match there as well. So. Best of luck to him. Um, and let's flip the page. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't go through the uh, the, the runners-up. Uh, and, and I think it's a strong uh, panel here of, of first through third runners-up. For sure. Uh, in, in the first runner-up spot, Jay White, who won the IWGP uh, title early in the year. I got to see him live at, at the uh, G1 Super Show in Madison Square Garden. And uh, I'm a big fan of Jay White. I mean, I, I think... You know, when, when uh, and I don't know what the contract situation is uh, with him, uh, but he's a guy who I believe is still in his 20s, and man, I just think he's got a huge, huge upside. Uh, I absolutely see him as a big, big player wherever he wants to be, uh, including here in the United States um, for the next yeah. decade. Yeah, he's, a, he's an excellent, just like an excellent uh, villain. I, I think he's just so good in that role in a way that a lot of people, he's embraced it and made it his own enough. Way a lot of other people would like to think that they're doing, but haven't quite. And I mean, in addition to the IWGP heavyweight title, IWGP intercontinental title into Wrestle Kingdom as well. So yeah. just amazing year for him. Yeah, great look, good talker. I mean, I think he, he's got it all. So uh, yeah, we're going to be seeing more of him. Uh, second runner up, uh, Buddy Murphy. I, I think by the, um, the, the pure sense of the word, yes, he's a most, he, he improved um, quite a bit. Uh, and got some more TV time, but e- even now, uh, in early 2020, where he where he's gotten a, a considerable amount of TV time uh, on SmackDown, right? I forget what brand he's on. I think he's on SmackDown. Yeah. Um, it he, he you know we'd be exaggerating to say that like oh he's a big player now. I mean he most of 2019, you know he, he was uh, working 205 Live. He dropped the title early in the in the year to to Tony Nese. Uh, so. Um, and uh, lastly, Shorty G. Here's an, I don't know that I agree with this uh, at all. I mean, again, it's if it's a question of TV time, he's a guy who uh, had the camera on him more in 2020. But if you if I think about what he brings to the table, and even the last few years, um, I, I think we saw better out of uh, Chad Gable in 2018, 2017. Uh, in in his years teaming with Jason Jordan and NXT, so and, and I think you know right now he's saddled with a horrific gimmick. So I, I don't know that I agree with that one. Um, and the the honorable mentions, you know, somebody who who is uh, listening. The honorable mentions is Kofi Kingston. And to me, here's a guy. Well, again, I, I guess it it's a it's a matter of how you define most improved. Is it? 
right. that that their work actually got better or that they got pushed. You know, I I, I think maybe that's that's where people could disagree. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think if you look at any of the people we just mentioned, that's uh, I mean, especially for for. Chad, well, I, I can't, still can't say shorty. I know. <laughs> um, Chad Gable. Um, yeah, for sure he has gotten on paper to the highest level he's been at because a final finalist in the ring tournament, sure. just fixture on the main roster. But yeah, no, I mean, he's had, he's done better things from a, from a, a, a performance standpoint prior to this. But I mean, you could, I mean, I think even with Buddy Murphy, I don't know, I think there was this, perception that he was a bigger deal this year, he arguably made larger improvements in 2018 because that's when he had that, he was reborn as this amazing cruiserweight wrestler. Yes. So yeah, again, just Agreed. surprising, yeah. but I, yeah. I mean, it's not, it is up to the readers and this is what the readers have, uh, have said. So yeah, I, I think you touched on it before where, um, winning this award is kind of a mixed bag because it, it implies that there was something wrong with you before. And I think in all these cases, the uh, certainly uh, the, the three runners-up are all very good wrestlers uh, who yep. I, don't, I don't think fans have... If anything, um, I think their fans wouldn't say that they needed improving. I think it was just their positioning that needing, uh, needed improving. So uh, right. it's not like, you know... Buddy Murphy's wrestling got a lot better in 2019, or Jay White's North Shorty G's. You know, they just they got some TV time. Uh, anyhow, uh, moving on. Comeback uh, of the year. Uh, I think again here maybe some overlap from inspirational wrestler of the year. Um, why don't you go ahead and talk about who is uh, 2019 comeback of the year wrestler? Well, once again, Roman Reigns. So, yeah. um, I mean, I think again, it's not the not the the greatest comeback on uh on paper it's not that he came back and main evented wrestlemania or had a long championship reign it's that he came back and made his presence known and kind of like what you said before i think there was this version of him that seemed more at ease than he'd been uh before you know still hungry still wanted to come out and bring it but he didn't feel he didn't seem like he had an axe to grind he just seemed like he wanted to perform at the high level he didn't it's an attitude thing. And I mean, yeah. I think that's the perspective that comes with a, a life-threatening illness and, and beating it for a second time. There's this clarity there. And I, I think fans felt that. And, you know, again, he came away with a, a good percentage of the votes here. Yeah, 37%. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that, it, it's uh, a big percentage relative to everyone else. Again, I mean, I, I feel like the sentiments that got him this award are very similar to what got him the, the inspirational wrestler of the year award with in in wrestling uh in general it's it's not too often i think that you've got somebody who uh as you touched on is dealing with a life-threatening uh, illness especially a star of the magnitude of uh, roman reigns and then comes mm -hmm. back from it and looks as good as he did so uh i certainly th that you'd think would would very much put him in the mix for a big comeback but it's also a really inspiring story so uh yeah he he sort of dominates both categories this year. Uh, Bray Wyatt is the first runner-up with 23%. I think uh, you know, we've seen so much of him now in the last few months that we forget how for how long we did not see Bray Wyatt. It was a pretty long absence, and absolutely yep. he, he came back and was immediately this uh, 
a extremely relevant, compelling presence uh, in WWE, and then um, from there pretty quickly won the uh, Universal Championship. And uh, again, I feel like, and maybe I can't speak for other fans, but but it's already at the point where <laughs> I've just about had enough of, of Bray Wyatt and, and The Fiend. But a, a few months back, certainly going into the summer, I mean, there was no hotter character, you know, that... that uh, the the Firefly Funhouse that I remember when it debuted, everybody was like, "What is this?" Uh, but it 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 really caught on, and um, the when when you first saw that character, I was in the NASCAR Coliseum for Raw when he he first debuted, and that mask, uh, it it was it worked, it absolutely worked, uh, and then in my opinion, at least, uh, come around home and sell it very much stopped working. Uh, and yet they're, they're still very much going uh, forward with it. Um, at 12%, the second runner-up, Dustin Rhodes. I think, you know, again, some some kind of overlap and ambiguity, uh, ambiguity here. I, I think he'd be a player in inspirational wrestler uh, as well at, at 50 years old. Um, and But, yeah, I mean, you think where he was uh, when early, in, in, I guess, was he, he still under contract? early in 2019 to WWE, but, I mean, obviously, they didn't have a whole lot of use for him. Uh, and and right. now it just looks great week in, week out, week out on uh, AEW. And uh, third runner-up, Sasha Banks uh, at 8%, another one who uh, took several months off. I mean, it, it appeared to be, you know, it, it wasn't uh, uh, an injury or anything like that, some creative differences. And uh, I, I thought her comeback was terrific, you know, that... It's it's not that many things these days that makes me call the kids from the other room to watch something, uh, but I, it was very much hey guys come watch this and and uh, that heel turn I thought was really well done so uh, good for her and then some I other mean, it, yeah go ahead. If if there's one thing that's clear from this uh, from the runners up here, if you're looking if you're listening to this out there and you're a wrestler looking to win comeback of the year next year, uh, maybe not win it but be a runner up for it is you need to take a lot of time off a of TV or away from your audience and then come back and completely reinvent yourself and yeah. then you're going to be up for this category. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you, I'm looking at, at the pictures here and it's Bray White with a mask. It's uh, Dustin Rhodes with half of his face painted red and it's Sasha Banks with blue hair. So, yeah, uh, yeah it does speak to the, the importance of, <clears throat> you know, both, both the whole... Uh, uh, Absence makes uh, the heart grow fonder uh, deal, and also, yeah, reinventing yourself. I mean, see what Chris Jericho is doing with his career. So, uh, absolutely. Uh, some of the top vote getters, I mean, none of them I think are, are worthy uh, that much of, of mention. One that I don't, I don't know if it would have qualified. Maybe it would have, but but I would love to see uh, get some votes here. Is Tony Schiavone? Uh, I I just love the story of um, Tony Schiavone a few years ago working at a Starbucks and, you know, he tells a story on, on his podcast that uh, it was just a couple of years ago that he had to sit down with his family around the table and told them, you know, we may not be able to keep the house anymore. And from now, you know, a million people watching every week and he's there uh, mid ring interviewing Cody Rhodes or, or whoever it is. And, and very much now again, a player and a good one, really good at his work right now. And, and you know, the last time we saw Tony Schiavone, on the national stage with WCW, he was, uh, and and it speaks to what he had to call also, but I don't think he was the most revered, sure. respected 
announcer, uh, but now kind of grown into that that role. And um, you know, I th- I think wrestling announcers at at their best, and it's not even just wrestling announcers, any kind of uh, sports announcer, uh, th- they are at their best when they're really fans, and and you could tell that they're enjoying what they're seeing. And um, Tony Schiavone just seems to be having a heck of a time every week. I mean, it, it, there's really like a a fan, and that's really cool. So anyway, sidebar for Absolutely. me. Uh, next, we've got Woman of the Year. Not a big surprise here. Why, why don't you uh, tell us about Woman of the Year? Well, drum roll. With <laughs> a huge, a, a majority, an actual majority of the vote. Yeah. Um, congress, almost congressional level majority here. <laughs> uh, Becky Lynch. Yeah, yeah, 58%. I mean, um, I think the, the runners-up, who we'll talk about in a bit, all had great years, but hers was really a historic year. Absolutely. I mean, well, I mean, we've already spoken about it, uh, the main eventing of WrestleMania and then, and then capturing both titles. But just, I mean, quickly to, to go through some of the other highlights, won the Women's Royal Rumble, Yep. you know, was defending both championships, as we said, won them the same match. And, of course, she topped our Women's 100 list this year. So she's had a really amazing year, and I, I think we hardly – we almost didn't need to check the votes to see who won this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but we did, and, and that's how we found out about these uh, runners-up. And uh, the first runner-up, uh, I think, well-earned, uh, Tessa Blanchard at 20%. And uh, again, as we speak, it's the biggest night of her career, potentially, uh, as she looks to challenge for the Impact Heavyweight Championship at uh, Art to Kill tonight against Sammy Callahan. Uh, at 5%, uh, the second runner-up, Shayna Baszler, who did she have the title all year? Uh, certainly most of the year, right? Well, I guess well she, she dropped it at the very end, end of the year, end yeah. of December, pretty much. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. but the Ripley, and uh, at four percent, the third runner-up, Brandy Rhodes. Um, I'm sure less so for her her work in the ring, and more for you know becoming a real legit power broker in a a major national um, wrestling organization, and uh, I think a very good spokeswoman. In that sense, too. Interesting not to see Charlotte in the mix here. I, I imagine she probably would have been uh, a, a fourth runner-up if we had one. Um, but, uh, yeah, Ronda Rousey as well, who I guess 2018 was really her year, but she was still around at the beginning of the year. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, so, yep. Uh, and moving on, feud of the year. This is a, an interesting one. Uh, tell us about the 2019 feud of the year. Yeah, and the feud of the year, of course, from NXT with Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole. And, I mean, a lot of great feuds in pro wrestling this year, but easy to see why fans chose that one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was the centerpiece of that brand as it went from, I mean, nobody was really considering it a developmental brand anymore, but officially the main roster now. And, I mean, they played a huge major role in that. Yeah, I was lucky enough to see uh, two of uh, their their excellent series of matches uh, in person, both NXT TakeOver in Brooklyn over WrestleMania weekend, uh, which, again, spoiler alert, we'll be seeing uh, later in, in, in this conversation. Uh, and then also a match that I thought was actually better, uh, which was NXT TakeOver 25 uh, in Bridgeport, Connecticut, uh, and and just an awesome awesome main event. But yeah, I, I got to write this one up, and, and I talked about you know the the legendary feuds 
uh, of, of our time. Either you get one that is uh, a great feud because of how heated uh, the, the rivalry is, how personal the issue is, the hatred between uh, the two combatants, or you get um, an incredible series of matches, and sort of like what we had with Okada and Omega um, a couple of years ago. Uh, and then on those rare occasions, they're both, and I think that's what this was. I mean, I think uh, with Gargano and, and Cole, it, it started off, you know, when you forget when, when the match first came together, it wasn't even supposed to be um, that match. It, it was uh, supposed to be a three-way with Tommaso Ciampa, and then he went down to an injury, and so that they wrestled for the vacant title. Uh, but the, there wasn't that much of, of an issue between the two of them when this really kicked off. And then by um, their their third match, which was probably the weakest of the three, uh, it was just on fire. You know, there there was a, a real kind of blood lust there. And every time they got in the ring, you knew it was going to be magic. So uh, just terrific. You know, I, I think uh, in in um, 2018, I guess it would have been, and maybe even 2017, NXT after like really running hot for a while, cooled off some. I mean, I think those Bobby Roode years, the uh, the Drew McIntyre uh, years, uh, it it wasn't what it it was back when when Samoa Joe and Finn Balor and, and Nakamura were the champions and headlining. Uh, but I think. Uh, these two in particular, and, and credit to, to Tommaso Ciampa and uh, Gargano last year. Was that last year's feud of the year? I'm sure it was. Um, you know, they've really helped put NXT back on, on the map. And uh, Gargano's just so great. I mean, it's kind of a shame that we don't see more of him. Uh, and, and it sounds like even at his young age, he uh, is starting to feel the toll of, of um, the, the pace that he works. But man, he just every time he goes out there, it just it means so much. So, uh, yeah, I I love this feud. I I love those two working together, and hopefully we see him uh, back in the ring sometime in 2020. Um, first runner up, uh, Kenny Omega and John Moxley. Interesting that they, as far as I'm aware, only had the one match, right? Yeah, but it I think a big part of what worked in the favor of this this feud getting as many votes as it did is that they took so long to get to that match, which really is, it was necessity at the time. Yeah. Um, where they physically couldn't have the match, but it did put more heat on the match, and I think it made fans that much more interested to tune in. So, yeah, fancy that. If you don't get what you want right away, sometimes it's uh, more entertaining to see it and it's better for the waiting. Yeah. I, I've spoken my piece about uh, uh, the match that they had, uh, but but I'm, I'm not sure I'm on the the same page uh, with fans uh, on this one. As you touched on, it, it, it was drawn out, but um, I don't know that it was necessarily drawn out by design, nor do I feel like the development of the feud along the way, with some exceptions, was all that compelling. You know, I mean, I, I guess that first episode of AEW where, you know, they, they brawled through the arena and the, the DDT through the glass table, that was all, you know, really cool. Uh but I don't know. I I never. I'm not sure I was ever totally sold on like, oh, these two really want to get at each other. You know, I don't know. And I hated the match. I hate hate hated the match. So, um, second runner up, uh, <laughs> Becky Lynch and Charlotte. I almost forgot about how much <laughs> you didn't like that match. <laughs> uh, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair at at second runner up. To me, again, I don't know that this is the strongest uh, 
I don't, uh, maybe it just speaks to outside of of Gargano and Cole, this not being a great year for for storytelling uh, in in wrestling. Uh, so that they were at thirteen percent, and I don't know that that most fans could even tell you like when these two wrestled. They were they were part of a uh, a triple threat, and I'll go ahead and mention that the third runner up is Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch. So it's, it's kind of a strange number two and number three when really at its best when it was hot it was um a three-way feud and i think one that really worked i mean i'm not a huge fan of triple threat matches but i i thought that one at wrestlemania really worked but but it it was um you know more than the sum of its parts because i don't know that the feud between becky and charlotte nor the feud between becky and ronda or any other combination of those three uh, was ever all that compelling to me. I mean, I think you had Becky doing so much throughout the year and, and really carrying so much on her back because she was feuding with both of them simultaneously. And then, of course, the double champion. And she's just, as you mentioned, a huge star. I think they were just trying to get her in the mix as much as possible with as many people as possible. And as a result, you don't really have that one standout memorable feud. You just remember that this was Becky's year more than she had this amazing feud with this person. Yeah. Um, some of the, and again, I think the story of this not being the greatest year for feuds uh, continues into the, the honorable mentions. Although there, there are a couple here that, that I would have um, expected and, and liked to see, uh, at least in the runners-up, Cody Rhodes and Chris Jericho for one. I thought they told a great story. Um, and had yeah. a terrific payoff to it. It wasn't that prolonged, so so maybe that hurt it, and it was just the one match, but the build-up to that one match and the payoff to the, that one match was fantastic. Um, Brock Lesnar and, and Seth Rollins, um, I think by the end of the year, people had such a sour taste in their mouth about Seth Rollins that they forgot that these two actually um, had a couple matches that were both uh, a lot of fun. Their, their SummerSlam match in particular was um, very, very good and uh, did tell some good stories along the way. So uh, I, I thought that was one of WWE's better feuds uh, of 2019. Shane McMahon and The Miz, again, not in-ring, you know, uh, not the greatest, but in, in terms of uh, uh, telling the story, I thought it, it was more disciplined than most how, how they told the story over many, many months of them teaming together and being friends and working the father into the mix. And then the payout, uh, the payout for WrestleMania, uh, I thought it was worthwhile, the big stunt bump. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing. I think any of these are better than, than the, the three runners up that we got. So, okay, most popular wrestler of the year. Again, we, we, I think one of the interesting stories of this year's uh, awards is that it's the same story being told through a lot of different awards. This year's most popular wrestler of the year is Becky Lynch at, at 27%. Uh, we touched it before. I, I, I won't prolong it too much. Um, I, uh, you know, there are uh, the awards that when you get the magazine, you you look to because you're really curious about, uh, you know, who could it have been. And then there's the ones that you know. And uh, as soon as I flipped to most popular wrestler of the year, I was like, well, this is a gimme. And uh, yeah, I think absolutely it it, it should be uh, Becky Lynch. You know, as much as you can measure from. Uh, fans reactions at shows she was the most popular and, and i think still is the most popular act in, in wwe and carries herself as one so uh well earned uh for, 
Yep. First runner-up, uh, John Moxley at fifteen percent. Interesting. Um, I I I think that's about right. You know, I I think he left WWE. Uh, similar, similar to to CM Punk years ago. Um, I I think he became uh, a hero or maybe anti-hero of sorts with the way he left WWE, kind of essentially giving him uh, the finger on the way out, making it clear that. Um, he he, you know, was the antithesis of what they represented, and um, I thought came on to AW that that his debut at Double or Nothing was pitch perfect, um, and you know even even in WWE those several months before uh, he left, he was also I think one of the more popular acts. So um, I think that's fair. Kofi Kingston at number two. Uh, also, I think well learned. I I don't know that maybe I would have maybe swapped those two. You know, you forget how hot Kofi was leading up to WrestleMania. You know, you think to Elimination Chamber and and all those weeks where there was a real strong sentiment. Fans wanted to see they they willed him into one of the main events of of WrestleMania. Uh, and when he won, you know, th- there in in 2019 and and for some time now. Whoever is that top babyface in WWE uh, is got to watch out because you're going to get some backlash. And I don't know that Kofi ever got it. I mean, I just I just think fans like them too much. He's just such such a a likable, sympathetic, uh, charismatic guy, uh, and and even more so after you you did see uh, the, the the family man at WrestleMania and the friend. So. Uh, yeah, he he really had kind of the wind in in his sails, certainly through the first half of uh, 2019. And uh, third runner up, uh, Johnny Gargano, who again I think maybe hurt just by not wrestling that much, but man is he beloved. I mean, at, when, at his best, he is uh, maybe the best babyface in all of wrestling, you know. Uh, uh, and when he finally won it in the the main event of uh, NXT New York of WrestleMania weekend, man, what an explosion! Uh, inside the Barclays Center. I mean, it was just this release, and uh, every wrestling promotion wishes that uh, uh, their top babyface is is ever over in in their entire careers as much as Johnny Gargano was on that night and and other nights throughout the year. So, uh, <coughs> I'll say fans got this one very much right. Um, let's see. Most hated wrestler of the year. It's an interesting one too because, uh, just like I think WWE has struggled to to make baby faces in in recent years, uh, they've struggled with with heels as well, you know. And uh, I'll say this much: I, I think this year's winner gets gets a bad rap, um, and it is it, by a strong margin, forty uh, percent. The two thousand nineteen most hated wrestler of the year is King Corbin. What are your thoughts on the job he has done as a heel? Because I, I think the debate with him always is, is this the right kind of heat? Yeah, uh, I go back and forth on that. Um, I will say that he's he is doing a lot of classic villain things, right? So it's not like he's just going out there and I'll use, I'll use a weird example. This is something I think is the wrong kind of heat. Back on the NXT, if you remember when, when Eva Marie had that, yeah. that series where she was 
just like, oh, okay, I'm going to actually, my whole character is that I am being put in this position and shouldn't be. They were having her win match, or uh, I think there was a time when she didn't kick out of a move and then they, they kicked out for her, that sort of thing. Yeah. That, I think, is the wrong kind of heat. I think Baron Corbin toes the line. Um, he has the attitude of a classic heel. He definitely, there's a lot of other reasons people don't like him, but I think that there's this just general quality about him, like, oh, this guy. And assumedly, he, presumably he's not like that in real life. Let's hope not. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> there's this vibe about him. There's just this, this like, it, you know, they like to say it factor. This is like an ick factor. <laughs> and well said. You just look at him and you, you, want him, you want him to get it. And I, so I think, I mean, he deserves a lot of credit, especially for getting so much of the vote. I mean, WWE in, in many situations has positioned people who like, yeah, this person is really unlikable. We're going to make them our, our bad guy. And then fans cheer for them, and they're not cheering for Corbin. Corbin is consistently good at being a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, I might be alone in this. You know, my, my hot take, Baron Corbin is one of the best performers in, in WWE. Uh, I, I think he's terrific. And... um. I and I think one of the things that's really you know brought me to that conclusion is um, seeing him at a couple live shows throughout the years, throughout the last year, and and not big shows. I went to one show in uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, uh, Wilkesbury, uh, you know, small attendance maybe there was two thousand fans uh, or so, and he headlined against Seth Rollins in like street fight, and then a few months later I saw him in uh, White Plains headlining with. Braun Strowman, I think that was a street fight uh, as well. I think in both of those, uh, he he lost and put over his opponent just like a champ. I mean, it was classic heel stuff, showing ass, as they say. He for for all the smugness um, and and the accolades that that I think fans resent him for accomplishing in 2019, including you know uh, retiring Kurt Angle and and all that. When it comes time to, uh, you know, for that payoff and for for him to put over the baby face and and be that cowardly uh, heel that gets his comeuppance, he does it um, to a T. Uh, and I and I think because they they've protected him on TV, fans don't see that as much on television. At live events, they're more willing to give fans. Um, that satisfaction and that payoff, but if, if you if you see Baron Corbin in a main event live uh, losing, I think you'll have a better appreciation for what a good heel he is. Moving on, uh, the number one runner-up, uh, first runner-up is uh, Brock Lesnar, who yeah, I've, I've always you know been uneasy about you know how good a heel he is because uh, I think. On some level, fans love <laughs> Brock Lesnar. I think he plays the heel role really well, but he's so terrific, he's so awesome that uh, even doing his shtick and so so much of what you hear is uh, cheers and and um, you know it, it's almost a throwback to the cool heel in in, in a way because uh, he's just right. so good at what he does, you know. So uh, I think he's great. I, I mean, I think one thing that for sure helped him uh, was the not being around and people really do want to, the, the contingent of the audience that isn't thrilled to see him really wants to see him lose because he's, he just has that title and then he makes off with it for another few months Yeah, and nobody else has a shot. And I, I think people do want these feel good moments. They want, 
you know, the, the, the likes of Johnny Gargano and Kofi Kingston to have their, their moments to shine. And every time Lesnar wins the title and then he's off doing his thing and infrequently makes appearances, that's another, you know, few months where that's not going to happen. And he's certainly not going to lose it the first time he comes back either. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I guess he's getting that resentment a few different ways. There, there's just that part of it that there, there's some hatred for him for uh, not being around that much and then always kind of hogging up one of the world titles. Uh, but, but also as a classic heel, I, I think to uh, the oh, yeah. the feud short lived as it was with uh, Rey Mysterio, and that was just classic heel stuff, and he he was uh, so good at it, you know. So uh, Shane McMahon at second runner up. This is another one that you know I could see being a little controversial because, again, is this the right kind of heat? Um, especially when you're talking about a fifty something year old executive, uh, not really a wrestler who who. Uh, got so much attention and so much uh, screen time and wrestling time in in 2019. I don't know. You know, I actually think he's a better babyface. I mean, I, I remember when he came back after uh, that that long hiatus, and that pop was one of the biggest pops I've heard in wrestling. So um, I I think he actually has a natural charisma that in some ways makes him a better babyface, but um, certainly an effective heel. And uh, third runner-up, you, you've got to think that uh, he's got to be the favorite right now for uh, most hated wrestler of the year in 2020, and maybe 2021, 2022, and, and so on. That's MJF, who, uh, you know, I think people are, a lot of people are looking at as one of the, the next great heels in, in wrestling. Yeah, I mean, certainly a classic heel. I think the one thing that's maybe holding him back a little bit right now is maybe he's a little bit too much of a classic heel. I mean, he's... He's definitely not concerned about being that cool heel and, and getting cheered for or having people realize that he's actually very secretly very talented. But I think some of the stuff is just kind of, uh, I don't know. And I mean, I, I, people will argue that this is exactly why he's doing it and it's smart to do it. Just a little uncalled for. Just This is the most recent example. I mean, there, there's some, some tw- Twitter cheap shots and things that are just a little bit I don't know, maybe a little bit lazy, but the other thing that really bugged me was last, the most recent episode of AEW, there was just a comment about EDP's daughter, and I, I, I don't think that's yeah. the kind of heel that people want to see in 2020, and I, I wish he hadn't said that. Hopefully, he, that's not the kind of thing he goes for going forward. I think he is a really talented guy, and I don't think he needs to do that. I don't think he needs to stick to that quite to that level. Yeah, I largely agree with you. I, I see a guy with the potential for um, to be a really world-class great heel who needs to do a little growing up still, and, and uh, I think he's very young. Yeah, he's still very young. Yeah, and, and um, I, I don't even mean, like, grow up, stop, stop being such a bad guy, stop being so mean, but I, I, I do think some of what he does sometimes feels a little cliched and a little bit right. of um, make-believe wrestling bad guy, and he needs sure. to, to kind of um, polish it, refine it a, a, a bit. Uh, but but the the raw materials are there, you know, not the least of which is just the, the confidence. And um, you know, in my day job uh, recently, I've I've been doing uh, uh, more and more stuff on video and. As comfortable as you could be in your own skin and talking, you know, they put a microphone and a camera on you. It's so easy to freeze up and and trip over yourself. And man, MJF uh, doesn't seem to deal with that at all. You know that he he's just uh, that light goes on. He's got the 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 microphone, 
and he could just go, you know, so, so it, it, it's a real talent. And yeah, I, I, I think as he grows up, I, th- I think we'll see a better version of what we saw in 2019. Match of the year, another interesting uh, one this year. I put this uh, one together. I'll go ahead and tell you that the 2019 match of the year, Dustin Rhodes versus Cody Rhodes. I love this match. I don't know uh, if fans got this one right. Maybe they did. I, I, I got to think of, of, you know, my own personal taste. It's certainly in among my top three favorite matches in 2019. Maybe my top two. Um, what, what are your thoughts on this match? I think the reason, my personal opinions aside, I thought it was a great match, but uh, one of the best matches of the year. But I think you had this situation where there wasn't, past years we've had these, matches that was clearly like far and away this is everybody was talking about this match there was a title involved this or that this one had a very with where it was the the show that it appeared on the fact that these two guys had wanted to have this brother versus brother match for so long i think fans were just really looking forward to it thought it would be good but they didn't know it would be this good and it just sticks out as memorable and even if you look at the number, the first runner-up, which you're going to talk about in a second, they had multiple matches against each other. This was a one-and-done, and they really left it all. They left nothing out there. Yeah. Uh, or, yeah. So I, I think we're just – may I got that thing backwards. But uh, it was – I don't know that it was necessarily the match of the year. I think it's the most memorable match for a lot of different reasons, and there was the rivalry – not the rivalry, but the anticipation for that match, if it wasn't a, an actual rivalry. It's, to me, it's actually a little bit surprising in that usually the match of the year is the culmination of a series of matches, right? Or it's this big, long, drawn-out thing. And, I mean, this, there was anticipation built up to this, but it wasn't particularly a heated match. I mean, they, they, they manufactured a rivalry going into it, and, so, and they drew from real life to a certain degree, but... I don't know. I, I, I'm going back and forth on why. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same. One, I, I'm the same way. I, in, in, I could talk myself into it or out of it, uh, just kind of thinking. Uh, I just did a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I would as well. I think one of the issues that, that uh, maybe get to what you're talking about is that there, there really wasn't an AEW um, before they had uh, this match. It was the first AEW event at, at Double or Nothing. So they, right. there's only so much you could do to build up um, this this supposed rivalry without uh, any TV. So it was putting some video packages together that I, I guess some of it was put on YouTube and then uh, like the pre-show, the hype shows for it. Uh, but it wasn't a story that they were able to build on, you know, week in, week out in episodic television. Uh, so it, I, I think th- despite all, all the, the years and, and uh, all the, the family history there, there was a little bit of a feeling of it kind of going into the ring a little cold. Uh, uh, that said, I, it, it was everything I love about wrestling, you know, and, uh, you know, when I get talking to fans around my age, more and more of these days, we, we sound like, you know, those grumpy old men talking about AEW uh, and it's all, duh, these guys with all their, you know, flippity-doo high spots. And this was not that, you know, and, and I loved 
that um, they they told the story that they did. And the match it reminded me the most of was Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels at um, WrestleMania 24, Ric Flair's retirement match, where the, 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 there was the story that they're telling in the ring, but then there was the real story behind it. And uh, the that Flair-Michaels match, one of the things I loved about it so much was all the spots that didn't work, right? When all the stuff that... Um, Flair tried to do and couldn't quite get it. And so the match was telling this whole other story in a different level of this guy who was trying to keep up um, at, at his age and, and wanted to prove that he could still be great one last time. And um, to some extent, that's what we saw from Dustin Rhodes after uh, kind of the years of languishing in the mid-card uh, in, in WWE and as this gimmick performer and now in, in terrific shape and uh, entering his 50s working with his little brother who is, you know, a world-class uh, wrestler and I think wanting to to make a statement, and they did. And and Dustin was just so good here. Uh, and uh, again, similar to, the, similar to the Flair, Michael's story, that, that emotional climax at the end with the embrace and all that, and uh, just f- terrific, terrific. So uh, I think I'm back to, yeah, this was the best match of the year. Um, <laughs> But but uh, the first runner-up, you know, definitely uh, it makes it close, and, and that's uh, Gargano and Adam Cole. The, the one that fans picked uh, was that NXT TakeOver match, the first one uh, in New York, the two out of three falls match, where Gargano um, won the title. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, absolutely loved it. Again, for me, I like the, the second one a little bit better, if only because it was just a straight-up one-fall wrestling match, uh, but, but can't complain too much. Uh, second runner-up, Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar uh, at SummerSlam. I, I think fans had some low expectations uh, for this one, and they told a terrific story. And, and uh, with Brock, you got to do that because they... Uh, they and and it, it, it's, it's hard to believe that in Seth Rollins and in WWE, these were the same people that um, told uh, such a terrible story a couple months later with, with Seth and The Fiend. Uh, but I thought like the 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 way they were able to put Seth over clean on Brock here and yet kind of protect Brock, but this was no you know there wasn't the low blow but or anything like that. But they put together a a believable um, uh, story. They didn't drag it on too long. It was the right length. It was pitch perfect. So I I like this a lot too. And then Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan uh, third runner up. Um, I think easily the best match at WrestleMania, and, and that's always going to give you a little bit of a, a boost um, to have not only a really good match, but have it at on the biggest stage uh, of them all. And I think what, what helped them a lot, too, was that they want, went on relatively early in the night and not, you know, seven hours in where everybody is cold and half asleep. So, um, so yeah, that was the uh, match of the year. Uh, let me try to go through these a little more quickly now. Tag team of the year, uh, 19%, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Uh, any thoughts on them? I, th- I think that's probably about right. Yeah, and, and so the first win in this category, but they've been a runner-up twice. They were number two back in 2014, back in the Red Dragon days. So, uh, yeah, I, I think this is not just uh, deserved for this year, but just something that's long overdue, and they finally got theirs. Yeah. So happy for them. And uh, yeah, the, I think the, 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 the right choice here by our readers. Yep. Uh, I think WWE 
proper, uh, a SmackDown and Raw, uh, I think it's a, a testament or an indictment for that matter, of, of the tag team scene on um, those two, the biggest brands in, in all of wrestling, being pretty weak for a number of years. <coughs> NXT, historically over the last few years, has done a better job promoting tag teams than um, Fish and O'Reilly. They're certainly the best uh, of those. Uh, first runner-up, uh, the Young Bucks. I think um, not a huge surprise in, in that they are uh, such a big brand, and in 2019, they were... Uh, so instrumental in the launch of, of AEW. I think if you look at their year, uh, it was, um, I don't know, not I don't think anything to write, write home about. Lost a lot. That's been one of the stories early on AEW that um, maybe they haven't been protected as much as they, they should be. Um, second runner-up, Lucha Brothers. I, I think I might have flipped these two. I think Lucha Brothers had a better year in 2019 than, than the Bucks did. Uh, they they just every time they go out there they're so innovative and and so different than anybody everybody else so yeah I'm a big fan of Lucha Brothers and then uh, third runner up uh, the New Day I mean I feel like sort of the legacy tag team in WWE I don't know how many tag team titles they're up to they're always going to be in the mix um, but also uh, very much worthy I mean every every time like you kind of discount the New Day as sort of like this this kids gimmick. They'll go in there and they'll have a heck of a match, you know, um, uh, against uh, all kinds of different tag teams. And you forget, like, <coughs> even individually, all three of these guys are tremendous workers. You see some of the stuff that, that Big E can do. Um, you know, I, I actually hope in 2019 we start to see more uh, Big E maybe on, on a singles run. I mean, I feel like maybe that's the, the next evolution of this tag team. Let's Let's kind of... Um, release him and see what he could do because I think he's got a tremendous upside. Um, let's see. Next up, uh, well, it's the last one, and it's a biggie, and I think it's one that uh, if you've seen the cover of our magazine, a lot of people would be uh, surprised by. Uh, with 20%, who is the 2019 Wrestler of the Year? I don't call Try to yell out as loud as I could with uh, certainly any neighbors. <laughs> Yes, Adam Cole. Adam Cole. Yeah, yeah. I, when when I heard the news, uh, wow, I was I'd say pleasantly surprised. I go back to I don't know if you were there. Uh, I don't think you were. This was uh, back in 2011, I think, when um, we'd still occasionally get together. The PWA writers would like drive from all corners of the country and you'd get together a couple times a year. Um, and and one of the the go to events was the uh, the Super Eight tournament. And uh, I think this was back in 2011 or 12. Uh, yeah, we I think went that was the year. I, I was not there for the, the the meeting that year, but I did. I believe if I was it, maybe I was not there in person, but definitely following that year's Super Eight. And I remember that was the first time I ever heard of him when he yeah. that tournament. I, and I and it's why I bring it up. I remember um, we all went to dinner, and Adam came with us at the sports bar. They're um, kind of the greater Philly area. And I remember uh, this kind of shortish, I mean, I, I think he's probably a little bit taller than me, kind of skinny uh, guy with long hair and uh, bandana over his head. Good looking guy. But um, I remember thinking like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, he's, he's so kind of small and, and sort of like sure. uh, soft looking. I, 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 you know, I wish him the best, but I, I don't know if this guy's ever really going to make it. And, man, look at him on the cover of Pro Wrestling Illustrated Wrestler of the Year. And well-earned, absolutely well-earned. And, and um, 
throughout the year. But but to me, th- that stretch um, right around the Survivor Series when they started doing the the interbrand stuff, uh, and there was a, a probably a, a six weeks uh, period there where he was just everywhere. He was on SmackDown. He was on Raw. He was working NXT. He was working uh, the War Games. uh, And then Survivor Series the next night defending the title. uh, And it was like, can this guy get a night off? And and it wasn't just uh, uh, working. It was every night just just looking to steal the show and most nights doing it uh, uh, at a crazy pace and hugely over. uh, You know, and it... I wouldn't have been surprised to see him in the mix for most popular wrestler of the year, despite him being a heel. Uh, I, I think uh, fans just really, really appreciate how hard this guy worked. Yeah, he's fantastic and completely deserved. Um, he's, I mean, what else can you say? But on top of being on all the different shows, I mean, he had that one over Daniel Bryan. He had, of course, the NXT title run, Undisputed Era is just all over NXT at this pivotal moment, uh, completely deserved. I was, I too was a little surprised when I saw the voting coming in, but like, no, that's about right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have a problem with it at all. I, I think fans uh, got this one absolutely right. A huge coup for, for NXT. Uh, again, you talk about, they, they've been around for a number of years now. This is the first time they've won, I believe, right? Uh, I can't imagine. I, I mean, I'd have to look through the, the history books, I guess. For wrestling, but, yeah, I believe so, yeah. 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 So uh, a big, big feather in, in their cap, and, and it speaks, I think, very much to the arrival of, of uh, NXT and Adam Cole. What do you think of his prospects um, going forward? You know, th- there was a time where you'd see a guy uh, reach the heights he has in NXT, and then the, the next thing that fans are awaiting is, all right, so it's time for him to get called up, and that, that's the next chapter. Uh, I, I think that's changed some. What do you think happens to him? Um, does he get called up, as, as it were, if that's even a thing anymore? And what happens to him if he does? Yeah, I, I wish I had a crystal ball to be able to tell you, because it's. I, I think that really depends on what becomes of NXT and whether it really holds up as this third, you know, third brand rather than pseudo-developmental, sort of on the cusp of being its own entity kind of thing. I think if NXT does what they want it to do, then there's no need for him to go anywhere for a while. He'll go somewhere when he's, when he's kind of run his course there. Rather than he's ready for that next season, it will be the equivalent of, you know what, let's put Roman Reigns on SmackDown. It'll be like that. Um, but as far as how he competes with the other, the rest of the roster and the, the guys who have been there already and who have already you know, been to the top of the mountain, so to speak, that's, that's tough to say because when you see people have gotten these call-ups, I mean, it's been a real mixed bag. You've seen some guys who have done very, very well. And then in the, over the past few years, there's so, such a, an array of talent coming through. It's been harder and harder for people to do that. So I really think to be able to, to, to predict with any amount of accuracy, I, I would have to know what's going to happen with the next year over the next year. And I'm not quite sure yet. Yeah, I think uh, his best bet is to stay put. Uh, uh, and I feel pretty strongly about that. Um, for for better or for worse, size is still a thing on on the main rosters on SmackDown and Raw, and um, he would go into either of those brands as you know if if you if you put him right into that main event mix um, or that upper tier mix, 
he, he's easily the smallest, right? I mean, I think he's smaller than he is smaller than Daniel Bryan, right? I mean, he's smaller than uh, Finn Balor, uh, certainly smaller than Seth Rollins. He, he's you know he's not a real big guy, and um, those prejudices, for for better or for worse, still exist in in um, certainly Vince McMahon's WWE. Him having less oversight of NXT, uh, it, it's affected him less. And also, I think generally speaking, you're you're dealing with smaller wrestlers in uh, NXT. Um, so yeah, I, I I think his best bet is to remain the the face of NXT as it continues to grow. Uh, you know, and you go from being the the big fish in the small pond. Um, then the pond grows, but you grow with it, you know, and, and before you know it, you're the big fish in the big pond, uh, and, and not have, and never having had to leave that pond. So, uh, we'll see, but, but yeah, I, I, I certainly think for now he should stay exactly where he is. Um, first runner up, Chris Jericho. Uh, I think this is pretty well earned too. I mean, uh, again, another year of, of reinvention, uh, for him, and now closing in on 50, um, and not at his physical athletic peak, um, uh, I think that that reinvention was uh, more necessary than before, in that he had to find new ways uh, to, to work matches, to tell stories, and uh, has just done a, a superb job of it. I mean, the guy could just give a master class in, in this stuff, and just so much fun. It, Gave AEW an instant bit of uh, credibility um, that it really needed and just uh, a blast to watch. What do you think of Chris Jericho's 2019? Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, though not as an in-ring performer, uh, athletically speaking, um, he's not, you know, he's not a kid anymore. But he's, in many ways, he's a more mature and evolved wrestler and doing his best work in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah. he's, he's instantly brought star power and not just by virtue of being Chris Jericho, but by virtue of going to AEW and just commanding the entire space that he's in every time he walks out there. And I think anybody who works with him is just going to continue to get better one, because they have to, and two, how could you not? I mean, he has so much wisdom to impart and just being around him, you know, it's contagious. It's good for everybody. Um, it was very close, the, the running for this category. And I think, you know, if he had taken it, I certainly would not have been surprised. Yeah, yeah. I, another thing I think about him, and I think about um, the PWI poll that's going to be coming up, uh, I guess, the next couple months, when you, you think about influential people in wrestling, uh, he's got to yep. be near that top two, especially um, after Wrestle Kingdom and the match with Tanahashi. And all the talk of, of him working behind the scenes to try to uh, create a relationship there between the two companies. And, and if he could help pull that off uh, in 2020, uh, what a, a huge coup for him to be the guy who, who brought those two companies together. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. Uh, second runner-up, Seth Rollins. Again, I think the guy gets a, a bad rap. I think a lot of it is earned, you know, um, uh, 2019 was so interesting for Seth Rollins because early in the year, he he was that guy that had the fans behind him and was riding the wave of momentum, and he was the guy going out there um, certainly throughout 2018 and stealing the show every night in 
you know, I think of those intercontinental title matches with Finn Balor and um, even with The Miz, and uh, he was the workhorse uh, right through WrestleMania, and then he gets it, and then it just started to change. And um, if he didn't make things worse, I think he'd have a better case. Uh, you know, he, he did one of these uh, WWE Network documentaries of like uh, 365, so we followed him around for a year. Um, and they sort of, yeah, obviously they, they addressed the fans turning on him uh, and all that. And I think early on when he started getting some of the, the heat from fans, I, I think he was right in that they were being fickle and there is some of this like, you're the, the, the company guy now, so we don't like you. Uh, but he took that and he made it so much worse for himself. I mean, I feel like every time he opened his mouth in an interview in social media, he just, you know, dug that hole deeper and deeper and deeper um, that by by the end of the year, uh, it was really hard to defend the guy because, um, I don't know, I mean, he, he, just, he just did himself no favors in representing himself and representing WWE. I, I just think he... Uh, embarrassed himself so many different times you know the uh, i think he's he in the ring he's still very very good um and in that sense he was a bit of a victim of some of the creative and and um who he's paired up with but i think history will look back on him and the fiend as um a and i said that uh, that night you know at hell in the cell uh, as a match that historically did damage to two different wrestlers and, and two wrestlers that needed to be protected. I mean, like the number one and, and one A in WWE at the time. And at the end of that night, it was just in ruins, all of it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there's a lot. You covered a lot there and I, all true. I think on top of that, just there's this, people love to pull for their underdogs until their underdogs get to the top and then they just can't be bothered anymore. They don't like, okay, next. Uh, but part of it, I mean, we could probably go another hour talking about this. So I'll, so I'll keep it short. But what I will say is Seth Rollins, if you had told somebody a few years ago that Seth Rollins is going to be this face of WWE, I mean, most fans would have been delighted about that. But yeah. Like on paper, he's exactly the kind of wrestler they want to be in that position. And then once he's there, you know, I mean, there's valid reasons for being, uh, not being happy with the, how everything shook out, but just, it is worth remembering that he's extremely talented and there's a reason he got so many votes on this category, really. Yeah. I mean, I think of when we got together and talked about the PWI 500 and I think you pretty clearly was the, the number one choice and, and, uh, you looked at his resume in that 12-month period, winning the Royal Rumble. People forget, you know, beating Brock Lesnar in seconds at WrestleMania, beating him again uh, at, at SummerSlam. I think there was an Intercontinental title and a tag team title uh, in in that 12-year calendar period um, as well before the 500. Um, so there was every reason for him to be Wrestler of the Year this year, uh, and, and yet he's not even first runner-up. Uh, and right. I, I just think, um, man, fans turned on him something fierce. I don't, I don't know it that it, it, it's quite the level of, of Roman Reigns, um, but maybe it is in that. Well, I think the difference is that fans were never all that behind Roman Reigns, right? Um, in, in they were behind Seth Rollins quite a bit. I mean, that pop. I think actually was... Cena would be a good example. Cena, when he first won the championship, people were super behind him. 
And then over time, it faded. But, uh, but maybe Cena, not quickly. But Cena always kept his fans, right? It was right. it was kids and it was girls, uh, and it was me, sure. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, but but um, Seth didn't. I mean, you know, now that he he's yeah. uh, back to being a heel, I think people are uh, are coming around. I think he's doing good work with the, the AOP. Uh, and and it's a good fit for him. But before that, again, going into that fiend feud, man, I don't know if he had a fan in the in the in the building. I mean, there sure, was, yeah. uh, it it got ugly there. And and again, the the difference there is like between him and and uh, Reigns was, um, I think it was largely his fault. I mean, I don't know if it was at at the beginning, but toward the end there, it was like, man, this dude is just, <laughs> he is sinking himself yeah, so yeah. bad. Anyhow, uh, uh, you're right, we could do this all day. Uh, third runner-up, uh, Kofi Kingston. Uh, I think it's a fine uh, a spot for him. You know, you, you wish he had made more of that uh, title reign. Uh, the, the reality is he was, uh, I, I, I don't want to say it's sabotage, but I do think that... Um, he didn't draw the best of opponents uh, all, all the time. You know, he, he, you think about the mid, well, not the mid, um, um, Dolph Ziggler, um, I'd say a, a somewhat uninspired Randy Orton. Um, you know, who else did he have in those months? Uh, Samoa Joe. And uh, right. I don't know, there was, there was never, the matches he was having on SmackDown leading up to his world title win at, at WrestleMania, those gauntlets were, were so great. His performances were so terrific. Then he gets the title, and he's put in, in uh, these world title matches where he's he's winning time and again, you know, going over cleanly with his finish. I mean, it wasn't uh, a lack of confidence in, in, in that respect because they, they were getting behind him, never in the main event spot, so that's worth pointing out too. Uh, but, but also... In opportunity after opportunity, never pulled off that that you know that classic performance that I I think he needed to as champion. Yeah, I have no argument with that. I I think, and I mean in retrospect, it's easy to say all of this, but some of it should have been clear. Yeah, <laughs> while it was happening too. Um, yeah, yeah, you're so right. At the I, end, you're like, oh well, it is Kofi Kingston. And this, <laughs> yeah. Happened with a few people though. I mean, like it's it. There've definitely been some people who've had less than memorable initial title reigns, and then you know later they get their memorable title reign, or they get they get something else comes their way later that sort of makes up for it. So I, I'm hopeful that will happen. Uh, keeping my fingers crossed for it, but yeah, I, I think it would be hard for him to have been higher than where he is given, despite how amazing his his. WrestleMania moment was and everything that led up to it, it would have been harder for him to be higher than where he is in this category right now. Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, if if a year ago you told either one of us that he was going to be third runner-up for wrestler of the year, I oh, mean, sure, yeah. incredible, right? I mean, uh, what else could he ask yeah. for? So uh, good for him. All right, that does that just about does it. Uh, again, there's so much more in this issue. Uh, obviously, the, the, the main event, so to speak, is the Achievement Awards, but you, you flip through it, uh, tons of photos, uh, uh, stats, title changes, the official unofficial awards that are always a blast, um, so much more. You, you, this is absolutely one that you don't want to miss. The year in wrestling, uh, go to pwi.com, pwi-online.com. You'd think I know that by now um, to get your <laughs> issue. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Kevin, I don't know how much fun it was for you to put together, <laughs> but uh, 
Uh, it was fun here reminiscing with you. Yeah, it's great talking to you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Okay, thanks so much. We will be back in a couple of weeks. 